Our text for this second Sunday of Advent, the storm of fear, is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, beginning with the 26th verse, reading one of the really scary stories that are in the New Testament. Let's stand together as we're able and hear these words of Scripture together. Then they arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now there was on the hillside a large herd of swine feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. The demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. As I was um, pondering this sermon and working on this sermon, one day I just picked up the phone and I called a friend of mine, a fellow clergy person, and, uh, and I asked the question, what's your biggest fear? And we had a great conversation, and as I hung up the phone, I thought to myself, well, wouldn't it be neat if I could just put that out there and have people anonymously respond to that question? And so I talked to my uh, trusted partner in ministry, Daniel Ingram, on the staff here at the church, and immediately it was out there. Some of you may have answered that question. We were both surprised that by the end of that day, we had over 100 responses to the question, what is your greatest fear? Some of them uh, 
made me smile. They were great and, uh, and fun. Uh, let's take a look at some of those. Somebody said, my little one said getting a shot is their greatest fear. I get that. Snakes in the toilet. I have to say, that was a new one for me, but now it's on my list of fears <laughs> as well. I'd never thought of that one. Losing my hair. I wonder who did that one. I don't know who put that one in there. Teaching. People who know what a task that is, it makes me remember why I respect and admire those who embrace that calling in our life. We have many of those in our church. And then I learned a new word. Nomophobia. That's actually a new word. Not having a uh, working mobile device. Yeah, those are fears. I get them. Then we had the largest group. Interesting thing we found was so many people's fears were the same. We're not as different as people try to convince us we are. We share a lot of the same fears. And the biggest group of fears that people responded with had to do with family, children, being able to provide, being able to be safe and secure, dealing with the pain and grief of death and loss, being concerned about family members who don't have faith and who don't follow Jesus, praying for them. Those are powerful very meaningful to read. And then this group of fears. Fears about our relationship with God. Maybe I didn't hear God's call. Maybe I'm not living the way I should live. Maybe I'm not using my gifts and talents that God has given me. Maybe I don't know what my purpose in life is. And at the end of our life, I know I want nothing more than to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Or the fear that we don't know what will happen to us when the end of this life comes. Well, I want to say to you some words of affirmation and some words of good news. If those are your fears, about your relationship with God? Do I know what my talents and calling is? Am I faithful? Do I know what my purpose in life is? You are exactly where you ought to be, and you're doing exactly what you ought to do. Because Jesus tells us that those who seek, find. And we seek the meaning of our life and our calling in life through worship and through study and through prayer and through service. We seek those things in community. And so you're where you ought to be, and you're doing what you ought to do. And I am excited that that's going to come clear to you. And if a fear that you have is about the end of your life, what's going to happen to you? I have the best news I've ever heard. And that is this. God has already done for us what we could never do for ourselves. God in Jesus Christ has offered forgiveness for our sins and given us a new life. All we have to do is say yes. 
and embrace that. And that is taken care of. The good news in, in response to the fear about going to heaven is this. That going to heaven is about who God is and about what God has done, not about who I am and about what I have done. We can face that fear by trusting in the grace God has given us through Jesus Christ. Fears. Fears are real, aren't they? And they're universal. They bind us together in this common humanity we share. And fears like we heard about in this uh, response reminds us that some of these fears can keep us awake at night, can't they? And some of these fears can uh, rob us of the ability to live with joy and gratitude in our life. Some of these fears, if we let them, can keep us from being able to believe in a future that's full of possibilities because of God loving us and working in our life. That is the power of the storm of fear in our life. It can blind us. It can blind us to the life that's right in front of us. It can, it can blind us to the joys and blessings that are in our life, even in the midst of the storm of fear. It can rob us of our joy and our gratitude. Fear can fill our lives with regrets because it prevents us from imagining all the possibilities life holds for us when we have hope and when we have faith. That's the power of fear. Well, in our story from Luke, we hear a story, don't we? Wow. They make a movie out of this, a scary movie out of this story from the Gospel of Luke. And it shows us the power of fear in the lives of the people of this town. Because of their fear, they were not able to see Jesus standing right in front of them. They were not able to see the miracle that had just rode up to the shore. Because of fear, they were unable to see the possibility that their lives could be transformed as well. That Jesus might have the answer to their needs. That Jesus might could meet their deepest fear. Luke is such a great storyteller, and he tells us that Jesus crosses across the sea from the west to the east, to a place opposite Galilee. And it's as opposite as you can get. It's opposite not just geographically, it is opposite. It is a place of uncleanness for Jewish people. There are tombs there, and there are pigs there, and there are demons there. This is the opposite of where Jesus has been. And there's no other story at this point in Luke's gospel that tells us Jesus did anything else 
while he was over there. Jesus makes this trip to this place to find this man. Think about that. Jesus meets a man whose life is a nightmare. He's possessed by demons. Because of his behavior, he's no longer able to live with his family. He's no longer able to live in his home. He's no longer able to live in the community. He lives alone, often naked among the tombs, trying to control him and hopefully trying to protect him as well. They've tried to bind him with leather straps or with chains, and when the violent outbursts come, he breaks free, and he always returns to the wild. It's a hopeless situation. The people are afraid of him. Can you imagine how afraid this man is of himself and of his life? We know the depth of despair and the depth of hopelessness in this situation when Jesus asks the man his name and he answers, Legion, Mob, He was no longer himself. He had lost his life. He had lost his identity in the midst of all of the forces that had come upon him and overwhelmed him. Evil is always destructive and ultimately self-destructive, and this is where he was. Jesus sets him free by casting the demons out and sending them into the pigs. The pigs rush into the sea. The people who witness this, the people keeping the pigs, rush into town and tell everyone. And they come running back, and by the time people get there, the man is, isn't it beautiful? He's clothed, sitting at the feet of Jesus and in his right mind. He is himself again. He is the person God created him to be again. His life has been transformed. He's who he was, but even better (laughs) because he'd met the one who could give him his life back. And the people come and they are afraid. And Luke says they are so afraid that they beg Jesus to leave them alone. They beg Jesus to leave them. Can you imagine? They are talking to a man with the power to cast out demons, one of the greatest fears of the people of that day in that part of the world. They're talking to the one with power over those demons and fear causes them to beg him to leave. They see a man with the power to heal a broken person, broken beyond their imagination of ever being healed. And yet fear drives them to ask Jesus to leave them. They are standing face to face with a person 
with the power to transform their lives. And fear makes them ask him to leave. That is what fear does to us when we let it control our lives. We can't see the Jesus standing right in front of us in each other. We can't see the miracle that's right on our shore. We can't believe that our lives could be changed, much less anyone else's. That's what fear does to us when we give it power over us. Just like last week in the storm of temptation, we learned that temptation is not sin in itself. It's what we do in that storm that makes the difference. So it is with fear. Fear is what it is. There are things that are scary, and there are situations and circumstances that will always push us into that place. What makes a difference is the power we give fear in our lives. The storm of fear is real. This story does not downplay that. It acknowledges that. We are not alone in living in a scary world. We learn that from that survey, how much we share the same fears and struggles. Throughout the Bible, we hear the words, fear not, fear not, fear not. And it's easy to say, yeah, right, that's easier said than done. You know why we say that? Because it is easier said than done. But before we dismiss those words, fear not, we need to really hear them. Because those words acknowledge the reality of fear. Acknowledge the reality of situations and circumstances that place us in fear. But they also call us to face the storm of fear differently. When we face our own demons, whatever they may be, we know we face those with Jesus who has power over all those things that come between us and the life God wants us to have. When we face uncertainty, when we face all those situations that want to make us draw back in fear, the words fear not remind us that Jesus is in the storm with us and that Jesus understands. It's an act of faith when we're afraid to live in a way that does not let fear rob us of our joy or our gratitude for the blessings of our life. It's an act of faith in the midst of the storm of fear to be able to continue to imagine the possibilities of a future created by God who loves us. It's an act of faith. It doesn't mean we're still not afraid. It doesn't mean that the circumstances change in, in the moment, but it means in the midst of it all, we can be faithful people because of who God is. That great theologian, 
John Lennon wrote, there are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we are open to all that life has to give. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. Even in the midst of the storm. If you're in the midst of a storm of fear in your life, know that right there in the storm, just like in the story from Luke, Jesus is there bringing life. Jesus is there bringing hope. Jesus is there transforming fears into a future full of possibilities. The storm of fear. It could be about our family. It could be about our health. It could be about our world. It could be about our beloved denomination. Don't give fear power over your life because then you'll never be able to see what God is doing. We'll never be able to see the new life Jesus is bringing right in the midst of that storm. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.